maybe we can help the existing US vendors with some pain points that they have in their go-to-market strategy by doing some more services aligned to logistics. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I am here today with Barry Desmond from Exclusive Networks. How are you today, Barry? Fantastic. Good. So, Barry, we are here today to talk about the differences between the distribution model in North America and in Europe. But before we dive into the details, do you mind just giving us a little bit of background as to your role within Exclusive Networks as well as Exclusive Network as an organization and what you get? Okay. Yeah. So. Thanks for having me on the podcast, by the way. I'm sitting at the group level, so I've got global responsibility as the COO for primarily all the organic growth aspects of the business, which is primarily VP of sales services and marketing and business development. So that stretches everywhere from New Zealand all the way over to the US, to San Jose, and lots of places in between. Good. So quite a wide geographical coverage. And in terms of exclusive networks, could you just give us in a few words, you know, the, again, the mission of exclusive networks, why, why your clients have, have chosen you guys? Our mission is to disrupt traditional distribution in the technology sector. We've grown primarily from a European base. In fact, we're the only European headquartered global distribution business. And over the years, we've decided, because I, I guess our geographic uh, location from the U.S., is that we've put together a very value-based distribution service, if you like, for vendors who are on an expansion strategy. So many vendors seem to establish a foothold in their home market. And again, yeah. the majority of our vendors are U.S.-based. But when they look at the challenges which they face when they're expanding globally, they need a partner which understands the intricacies and the nuances of each smaller region, which, you know, primarily the multicultural, multilingual business behavioral differences that exist in Europe, the trading mentality and passion that exists in the <laughs> Middle East. Um, obviously, the same is true as we go from India and stretch all the way through primarily for us, Southern Asian, back to the Antipodeans in Australia and New Zealand. Boosting and expanding a company out of your native domestic market has got a list of challenges which really limits the scope of the business trying to expand unless they have a partner like us who can act as them that can provide a whole load of value-based services like pre-sales engineering, availability of demo kit, go-to-market plans, launch plans, sales need detection plans, and then a whole range of professional post-sales services like training and education, premium services like on-site support, Four-hour on-site support in Borneo is a lot different to supplying four-hour on-site support in Philadelphia. So that just gives you a flavor how we act as a proxy for vendors as they begin to go on their global adventure. 
That's very interesting. I mean, the, the issue of, uh, of expanding geographically and going out of your, uh, I would say, domestic market is, is something that we, we know really well at Operatics. We, we've been helping many customers and, and Europe is a tricky territory where uh, the French like to think that they are different from the German, the German are different from the English, etc., etc. So you are right, the, the culture, the mentality, and then you open up to APAC Middle East. And I, I appreciate that having that bunch of services that you can offer, being the extension of your client's sales and, and, and marketing team, I guess, in, in some extent in those regions, as well as potentially taking all the contract and currency and all the, the other bits and pieces that I'm sure you, you get involved in, is definitely taking a big headache away from, from, from the table on their side. So, I mean, that's kind of leading me quite well to the subject of the, of the podcast today. And, uh, one of my main questions to you, which is a, a, a big wide open question, but I think it's considering your global coverage and, and your experience of the distribution model across the region and, and the fact that today we really want to focus between North America and Europe. From your perspective, what would you highlight as the main differences between the distribution model in North America and in Europe? Okay. It's a good question and it's something that we are aiming to change in the coming years or the coming months, in fact, as, as we've expanded ourselves geographically and established a base in North America or out to San Jose. They're very different models. In fact, you know, there's a high sort of link between or a correlation between the geo in which you're based and the further away that you go, the more value-based services that you want to buy off our menu. So as we parachute into the U.S. Uh, with an office in San Jose and one in Tampa, in Florida, and various sales people based around North America, we're beginning to really understand and digest that you know distribution in the U.S. historically been different to the model in which we've delivered in other geos around the world, and it goes back to the I guess the legacy uh, way in which new technology businesses, primarily in cybersecurity and cloud transformation, which is the two markets in which we specialize, have evolved. You know, very often you launch a business and then you establish a national sales force covering all the territories in the US, which is a big area of land covering many rural and uh, many uh, huge metropolises. And to maintain you know, control of your own destiny. You've gone for a very direct touch, high touch sales models where you employ direct touch sales guys who sell direct to end users and enterprise organizations. Once they get momentum going, they've historically then decided that they've had to work with some what we call tier one partners, which are some integrators or resellers or DVARs, as they call them in the state, mm -hmm. as a way of fulfilling some of the contracts. Sometimes they go direct, but a lot of the time the customer will push them towards their IT solutions provider, if you like. And then they build up a whole raft of intermediaries known as the resellers or tier ones, as we call them, and they get defocused from their core business, which is, of course, the growth and success of selling their solutions. So they say, well, actually, we now have to retrofit in distribution to take away some of the basic principles of running a channel to market, which is availability of stock, having the right mix and availability, having the right logistics in place. In the US, they have a saying about being distribution being a credit shield. So being able to bill, collect, and manage the whole credit worthiness of their channel. 
and so to pay the vendor on time so they don't have to invest in a whole range of resources to do that. Quote, you know, delivering quotations in a timely manner, you know, within a couple of hours and being accurate, you know, being over 99.5% accurate. This is what they think is the role of distribution in North America. And some of the biggest global names that we're all familiar with have established their businesses in North America and really run what is a fulfillment transactional distribution model, which for us is just one of our services. They primarily base their business on that model. And that's how it differs from our model, because the value, you know, the availability of resources to do pre-sales consulting, professional services, demonstrations, to do the marketing, to do the sales lead detection, they've done historically themselves. So those sort of services, the go-to-market services, the engineering services, the education services, the enablement services, the support services, the premium services, they've really had no need for them in channel from a distribution perspective in the USA. And that's something that we are hoping to challenge and to disrupt. Okay. So if I understand well, what we're talking about here is, I guess, what I would call value-added distribution. It's adding services, it's being proactive, potentially even sometimes helping earlier stage vendors to build their market. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, you know, there are two. You know, we've got to find the pain point for the North American vendors, if you like, already. So the established ones, we can say to them, well, what is your pain point in managing the channel? You know, where do you think you're missing and where do you think we can help? And my guess already is that they go after the big elephant. The U.S. economy compared to Europe, in fact, is is huge. A mid-sized reseller in Europe could be anywhere between 15 and 30 million euros or 20 to 40 million dollars. A mid-sized reseller in the U.S. would be in there hundreds of millions of dollars turnover. So then the companies that normally consume new technology early, the early adopters, if you like, are in fact those big enterprises. So my sense is maybe they need some help with uh, the mid-market or commercial where we can go and avail that channel to the services that we've traditionally given in Europe. So that's my sense is that what can we do for you guys there in the mid-market that perhaps the big distributors can't do because their cost of sale is so low and their focus is on streamlining and a very thin margin business. So we're, we're sort of saying, well, maybe we can help the existing US vendors with some pain points that they have in their go-to-market strategy by doing some more services aligned to logistics. Mm-hmm. So our global footprint, for instance, and our ability to deliver into a, over 167 countries, we think may be interest into them so that they can have one contact through a global deal desk capability and deliver into multiple countries and territories in a very light touch way. We could do reverse logistics. We could do disposals, right? So we can then begin to add value in terms of those services. But then we can begin to do training. We can begin to do pre-sales. We can do uh, premium-based services. And hopefully we can help them launch new technologies or new versions or modules of their technologies into this space. So to address a sector of the market, which they probably feel 
that they're underrepresented in. Um, Absolutely. Similarly, we can say to new startups from the US, why go disrupting the technology market? Why didn't you disrupt the way in which you go to market? So instead of taking that traditional slow route, why don't we light up the channel first in the US and find, find those early adopter partners like we have in Europe and Asia and Middle East and so forth? Why don't we ask them to help you scale and accelerate your go-to-market? So we're having some very interesting conversations there. And of course, then we can avail those new startups to our full range of services. And they can then obviously concentrate and invest in the R&D component of their technology as opposed to the commercial delivery of that. And of course, they're going to have to have sales, pre-sales, engineering services for the US market initially. But maybe instead of having 40 teams of sales and pre-sales guys dotted all around um, every state or major metropolis or market in the US, maybe they can cut that by half and then focus on enabling the channel so that we can scale and accelerate their go-to-market. Yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. I mean, from our perspective, the, again, we, we're not as involved as you are in, in the channel and the distribution model ourselves, but we've heard many times vendors telling us about the cost of ticket for entry and, and working with a big district. So they need to reach that critical size, which sometimes is very difficult to reach a critical size because, as you mentioned, you need to reach the steps of having the team, your own team in region, and, and that scalability can be, can be quite complex, I guess. So it all makes sense to me, and I see, I see a, a great opportunity for you guys, if I'm perfectly honest. But I've, I've got a question for you more around the reseller, because I would have thought that if the distribution model has, has evolved in that way, in that, I guess, less flexible, less value-add, more fulfillment type of role, would you need to go through some sort of a transformation also of, of the second layer, which would be the resellers behind that? Do you see, or have you already engaged with those resellers? Do you see an appetite, those resellers, the same passion and the same appetite as you guys have in terms of creating the demand from your clients or for your clients, sorry, driving almost the, the flagship of your clients, winning new customers on the behalf of your clients? Do, do you see already that traction from, from the reseller themselves? I think that's the question mark really for us is what is the appetite for that the reseller layer in the US to change and to accept this different type of model. I mean, I think this is a very competitive market. I mean, we're in cybersecurity and cloud transformation. I think the market is very complicated. Both markets suffer from a lack of resource and skill sets. So maybe us acting as a proxy for them is a proposition that they're much more willing to consider these days because it's historically I think they've been there as a fulfillment part as well certainly the big what I call mega vars or divas um, who have you know relied on their purchase and supply agreements with the big enterprises just to be a conduit or a channel to market for these vendors so going in there and trying to provide a value-based proposition may not be appropriate or relevant but certainly in the next layer down in the regionals and the verticals and the specialists, you know, it's just they cannot, like many end customers, keep up with the speed and change of technology. And I think that's a gap in which we can fill. 
and act as a proxy for the vendor in scaling, educating, onboarding these resellers as a proxy for them before they decide, right, this is the technology I'm going to work, you know, so invest in. So do the onboarding, but also work with companies like Operatics to do the direct touch, to find sales needs and opportunities, to do the convincing. One of our guys, uh, Laurent, uh, uh, who runs, who was the king of Europe or the king of Mediterranean, he always says to sell, to convince, we go direct. To sell, to supply, to invoice, we go indirect. So I think we've got a certain amount of evangelizing ourselves. So it's not only evangelizing the technology and the new innovation and the new vendors uh, in that respect, but it's also evangelizing the model and getting acceptance of that. And I think we've got a damn good choice chance because there's a perfect storm of complexity coming together. And what we're offering is simplexity, simplifying what is a a complex technology ecosystem at the moment, where from a cybersecurity perspective, the velocity, the variation of attacks and threats are, are spiraling out of control. There are regulatory and compliance issues which are becoming more critical and more enforceable. Then you have the num- just the pure number of technologies or security tools people have to put into infrastructure. Ask, you know, making CTOs and CISOs question whether they should go best of breed or the complexity is leading them to complacency where they would, you know, say, well, go to IBM or another generalist IT supplier to deliver what, quite frankly, would be inferior solutions. And the fourth part of the perfect storm, of course, is the skills gap. There are over a million security, cybersecurity vacancies in the US alone, two million worldwide. So I think the time is right for this provocative model where we can convince the channel in the USA that maybe there's a different way. I've I've really enjoyed the conversation today, Barry. So we're coming to the end, but from my perspective, I did call you earlier on a value-add distributor or or, or someone trying to bring value-add distribution to the US market, but it almost sounds like a proactive distribution. And I think I like the sound of that because we, we live the same story every day. It's about being proactive. It's about taking control. It's about advising and, and supporting your clients in thriving in, the, in their market. So, but look, Barry, thank you very much for your insight today. I'm sure the, the audience had a lot of interesting insight from the experience that you, you shared and, and the statements you made and, and, and some of the ideas that you uh, convey as well on, on the podcast today. Last question that I've got for you, I'm expecting people to probably want to get in touch with you further to the, the conversation today. What is the best way of getting hold of you, Barry? They can send me an email. They can go on the website. My email address is bdesmond at exclusive-networks.com or the general website, exclusive-networks.com or exclusive-group.com. But we run a very flat, real organization here. No matter what anybody's inquiry is, I will give it my immediate attention. Well, that's wonderful, Barry. I mean, 
It's fantastic. And, and I know how busy you are at the moment. We, we spoke a few weeks ago about, about your objectives, guys, in the US. I know you have been very, very involved and, and back and forth quite a few times. So I really appreciate the fact that you took the time today together with us. And, and again, thank you very much for your insight and thank you for your time today. Well, thank you for the $10,000 for doing it. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's in the brown envelope just underneath your desk. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much, Barry. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.